Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. I was looking for a snazzy title and just ran out of ideas. So um, I thought I'd just call it for what it is. So um, so good to be together in the house of the Lord. Um, excited about this morning. Um, excited for a couple of reasons. I've had a couple of weird nights. Um, God speaks to me in dreams. Somebody once said to me, Phil, you ever think it's because he can't get you to stand still long enough while you're awake? Uh, so he has to speak in dreams, if that's the case, maybe so. But the last two nights, I've had encounters with God that have very been. I, I feel like He's shown me two sides of a, of the coin, and I'm going to share a little bit about that. I think next Sunday morning. So, um, but because uh, I need I need to work on it a little bit. I need to work on some of the things that I felt God spoke to me. Um, but I do tell you this: change is coming. Change is coming. And um, I tell you this, another thing I'll tell you is that God's, God's awaking his church to holiness. He's awaking his church to holiness and, um, and corporate holiness as well, as well as individual holiness. But um, I, I, I came on this slide just to lighten it up a little bit. I came to this um, yesterday. I thought it was really, really good. Um, so there you go, just for Christmas to encourage you. Um, I hope your scarves all still fit you. Um, they, uh, <laughs> so my scarf still fits me. So there you go. Um, but uh, I hope you all had a great Christmas. And um, as Ty says, this morning we're going to sort of try and pull the year together. And then tonight we're just going to have an hour of worship. We're going to do that 6.30 to 7.30. We're going to keep that tight because we know it's holiday time. So it's just an hour of worship and encounter, and we'd love you to come back and just uh, seal off the year with that. There's been nothing now through to next Sunday, so that'll be lovely to do that. Before I get going this morning, um, I'll go back, because I know that's just, oh no, I'll go back to that, because that's just going to put you off. Um, Before I get into what we're going to share this morning, I want to take a few minutes and just talk to you about what's going to happen next Sunday night at 5 o'clock and why that's going to happen. Um, Next uh, Sunday night at 5 p.m. is a ceiling of membership, a ceiling moment um, regarding the understanding of our membership, which is probably a better way to put it. And I know that lots of you are committed in many, many ways to church and have been for many years um, done our believing and belonging. And what we felt at the beginning of this year, we felt um, there was a need to, um, in some shape or form, rebrand believing and belonging to widen the gap a little bit to, to a deeper commitment to Christ, but at the same time to widen the gap where people could be welcome into our family. So rather than uh, one size fits all in a church of probably seven or 800 people, now, and if we take Porta down, we're probably um, in around a thousand people. So um, it's hard to it's hard to get something that fits everybody in that field. And so we felt that we, what we wanted to do is is widen our our believing and belonging, where people could feel they belong, um, come in and belong, and be part of our family, just like Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus when Jesus saw him up the tree, he didn't know Jesus; he just was curious. 
but Jesus made him feel like he belonged before he actually ever believed. And that's what we would love to do, all right? At the same time, what we'd love to do at the other end, we'd love to deepen the commitment of people in church. So, um, so the question, what does it mean to belong? Again, we feel the word membership has been stolen by the world and it's become more of a contract kind of thing. Whereas the Bible uses the word member as members of a body. Um, anytime it's used in the Bible, it's uh, actually members of a physical body so deeply entwined and joined together um, that, that uh, uh, it becomes more like a covenant community. And that's where we come up with that term, a covenant community. And so maybe you've been thinking, what on earth does this mean? Um, we're not talking about you joining a cult um, or, or joining some secret society or heavy-handed controlling thing. That's not what this means. Essentially, what we're talking about is family, but family in God's eyes, kingdom family. And so um, there's nothing forced about love, all right? Love doesn't force itself. Love is a choice. And yet when God calls us into that deeper aspect of love, it, conflict, it conflicts sometimes with ourself because we're all selfish by nature. So in a sense, we're given each other permission to speak into our lives. And that's why we taught these six practices. So what we're calling people into is a deeper commitment to walk in the ways of Jesus. And um, as, we, as we do life together, our discipleship will become deeper and deeper. And so we, at five o'clock after we'll do communion and then we'll, we'll pray this prayer together, all right? And we're not gonna pray that this morning, but it's just a prayer of commitment as a follower of Jesus in this area. I desire to covenant myself to Emmanuel Church as my spiritual home and on and on it goes. So we'll pray this prayer, um, all right? And also important that it defines, see, see, every family has family values. Your family has values that are probably a little bit different than ours. And so we felt that we needed to, to strengthen our family values. And these are our family values. And what we're asking people in a covenant community is to commit to the ways of Jesus, to commit to live like Jesus lived. Um, because that's what then the little epistle of John says. And then what we do is in our life groups and in family, we hold each other accountable. All right, we hold each other accountable to those things. And so the idea is then that um, in future when people want to be part of our church, we'll probably only run this once a year and we run it over four sessions. Um, we'll probably run it in a Sunday morning, maybe during our second service. We'd run it in another room during our second service over four Sundays and we teach these six principles as a lifestyle. And then those people, new people, would pray that prayer of commitment. We would do that probably on a Sunday morning to gather again as a family once a year. Does that make sense? So uh, that's going to that's gonna be good fun next, um, uh, next Sunday afternoon, five to six, all right? And so that's why I'm inviting everybody to come. If you've done believing and belonging already, this is sort of a deeper commitment, a deeper level um, of covenant together to say we're going to live this lifestyle that um, Jesus left. So, okay, this morning, what I want to talk about a little bit is about um, uh, the new year, all right? Looking back, looking forward. And all of us live by one of these things in some shape or form. We live by our calendar, by our Google diary, by our diaries, by our journal, whatever. We all live in some shape or form by 
one of these things. Interesting how the world has changed. The world has changed dramatically, even in the last 100 years, but especially in the last 150 years. Like when, before Edison um, invented the light bulb, they say that people actually slept on average 11 hours a night. Now, I know some of you probably still do, but um, um, somebody's probably getting a dig in the ribs now. But most of us probably sleep in around six to seven hours now. The averages went down. Used to be before the light bulb, it was light and dark. So in the winter, when it got dark, you slept. And then we got the horrible thing invented called the alarm clock. And instead of people being wakened by the sun coming up, they're wakened by the screck of an alarm clock. And then in 2007, Steve Jobs invented the smartphone 12 years ago. That's all it is, 12 years ago. They reckon on average, um, people in the UK touch their smartphone 2,716 times a day with your thumb every time you send a text. That's what they reckon. I don't know how they calculate this, but that's what they reckon. They reckon that um, the average UK usage is around 30 five to 40 hours a week, all right, that people spend on their, on their phone. Um, on and on it goes. They check them usually every 12 minutes. Your iPhone is checked. Has somebody sent you a message? Has somebody sent you a WhatsApp? There's all these ways. I find it even strange at my age, at 61, I find it strange all the ways people can contact you now. If they can't get you by email, can't get you by text, they can't get you by phoning you, they can't get you by WhatsApping you, then now there's this new thing, well, it's probably not new, Facebook Messenger, that I probably never really used to late, but I find people more and more because you're on Facebook, they can find you there. And um, interesting how we become so accessible and um, Hard to believe that it's only 12 years ago that none of us actually had one of these things. And, uh, and there it is. We, we wonder what the world would be like without one. Now, I, I, love, I love this time of the year. I love New Year. I love something about this, especially this week between Christmas and the New Year. And um, the ancient dairy uh, was used by the Romans, of course. That's where it came from. Most of you probably know that. Um, and the calendar was created each month. Each na- the name of each month has a meaning in the Roman language. And so their calendar started in March, and it just had 10 months, all right? And uh, right up to 700 BC, when Pompilius, the second king of Rome, added January and February before they weren't in the dairy. They were just winter months. You didn't do much in those months, so they didn't even count them, all right? So, and then February came along, and uh, it was named after the, the year, a uh, time of the year for a feast called Februa, all right? Um, some of the uh, months were named after false gods that the Romans worshipped. So, March was most likely named after Mars, the god of war. May was probably derived from the goddess Maya. Um, June was named after the goddess Juno. The months July and August, you know these, were named respectively after Julius Caesar and his successor Caesar Augustus. And then September, October, November, and December were named, um, there were numbers in the Roman language, so they were numbers 7, 8, 9, and 10, and in Latin, sorry, in the Latin language. And that was the order in which these months fell in the Roman calendar. But one month that probably um, holds an especially descriptive name, I think, is the month January. 
And historians say that January is derived from the name Janus, J-A-N-U-S, and it's a common household god among the Romans, a god of gates and doorways. And this was her symbol. Um, it was two faces, one looking forward, one looking back, and often depicted in this way with facing two directions. And the Latin word um, Juna means a door or a window from which a person may look both ways. In other words, in and out, forwards and back. And as we stand in the doorway of a month, the month of January, a new year, naturally we look back over the way we've come. Most of you, I'm sure, read the email that I sent out at the beginning of the week that give you a bit of stuff that went on in church. You could see it was a busy year and we've much to give thanks for. But we also naturally look ahead. We look ahead to 2020 as a team. We've already been talking a lot about 2020 vision. And so we look back in 2019 in appreciation. We look ahead to 2020 with anticipation. And so it's really important to do that. And so many people make New Year's resolutions. They reckon 48% of the UK population now make New Year's resolutions. So that works out about 30 million people. 30 million people will plan all kinds of things, Slimming World, Weight Watchers, gyms will make a mint out of these New Year's resolutions. And the reoccurring themes every year are here, the top 10. These are the top 10 in society. Don't take my word for it, just go to good old Google. Um, and these are the ones that, that sort of hit the, the top 10 every year. Um, now, and you maybe find yourself in one of those, or maybe in several of them, I don't know, but uh, you, you, you can understand that um, people are thinking differently at this time of the year. Now, one of my life verses that has been um, 21 years ago that God spoke to me about destiny and direction was this verse in Deuteronomy 2. At this stage, um, the children of Israel have been walking around a wilderness for 40 years. Why this was so significant to me 21 years ago was because I was 40. And there's a line in it that says, have I not watched over you these 40 years? And God was calling them into a new future. He was calling them into a new destiny. And so God had got my attention back then. And uh, he's, he's saying, you've been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Now, I've talked to you many, many times about this, but it's a favorite subject, so forgive me for going into it again, but the map here sort of depicts the journey of 40 years of the children of Israel. You can see up at the top left, um, they're numbered there. Number one is Ramses, that's where they left Egypt, and then you can see down number two, number three there, they cross the sort of the mouth of the Red Sea. They go down into the V there, that took them maybe about five weeks, um, and they got to Mount Sinai. Now, it's interesting. It's interesting. I googled this the other day that it's about 612 kilometers as the crow flies from Egypt to Israel, about, 300 and, about 343 miles, I think it is, right? I worked it out that if you walk at three miles an hour and they walk 10 hours a day, they could have done it in 12 days. It's kind, of, it's kind of weird. It's kind of interesting how they, 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 they got to Mount Sinai. They were down in here. Um, things were going well. And um, God was meant to meet with them all at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was a big turning point. 
Mount Sinai, if you if you if you study Exodus 19, my theory in Exodus 19 was that everybody was supposed to meet with God, and there came a moment in that story where they realized that they couldn't meet with God, and God realized he couldn't meet with them. And so Moses went up and met on their behalf. So I think it was a massive turning point. Then they go up to go into this into the the promised land, and of course, you'll probably know the story. They send the spies in. Um, ten of the spies come back with a bad report. Two come back with a good report. And of course, they go with the bodies. They're almost going to stone Moses and Aaron at that time, and they turn back into the wilderness. And then they spend one year for every day that the spies spent in, in the promised land. They have to spend one year for every day. So 40 years for the 40 days that the spies were in. And in those 40 years, anybody that was over 40 years of age would die in those 40 years. Hence, we say, you hear people saying, well, that poor person died. They didn't get their three score years and 10. Their three score years and 10 were never promised. It's not a New Testament thing, all right? Actually, James says your life is a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. The word the 40, the, the three score years and 10 comes from, I've told you this before, is Psalm 90, verse 10. And in Psalm, the Psalm 90 is the Psalm of Moses, and it's telling this story. And so what God did was God reduced the age to three score years and 10 so that everybody over 40, work out the mass, would die within the 40 years. That's where the three score years and 10 come from. Not promised. So just in case that ever bewildered you, it's not a New Testament promise, all right? And so, um, so what, happened, what happened in those 40 years, God wiped a full generation out, all right? And they ended up, basically, you can see here a little bit, if you, if you go up to the, where you come up out of the V again, and you can see Mount Horeb there and Kadesh Barnea, where it goes round and round in circles. And basically what they did was they went round the bottom of Mount Horeb for 38 and a half years. That's basically what they done. So this place became familiar. It became a place they would know every blade of grass if there was such a thing. They would know every stone. They were just, um, they would travel around this district and Kadesh Barnea became a really important place for them. And so they, they as I say, it, would became a, it became a place of just enough. So God provided for them food. He made sure their clothes didn't wear out. It was a place where they got stuck. They stalled. And my question to you as we come to close off 2019, is there a place this year where you've got stuck or got stalled? Is there a place where you feel a little bit like you've been going around the mountain where, where somewhere, somewhere in the, in the last 12 months there's been a blockage and you've just been going around in circles and you haven't been able to get over that? Um, and, and, and maybe you're getting the whispers of God. Maybe, you're, maybe even this is beginning to spiral out of control. And, and you're getting the whispers of God. And God has been saying to you, you've been going around this long enough. You've been going around this long enough. Now, what I want to talk to you about a little bit is there's loads of uh, over places, I call them. Loads of over places, all right? 
the over places <laughs> and um, places where we have places where we have overstayed. <laughs> maybe there's a place where you've overstayed. Maybe for you it's maybe for you it's over time. Maybe you're just a workaholic on your mobile phones. You're one of these people who every 12 minutes or maybe even less, you're tapping the phone, making see that somebody like your Facebook post, who's, who, who's shared it, blah, 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 on and on it goes. You know the world. And uh, you pounce on your text, your WhatsApps, you're waiting on every email coming in. You count your Facebook, Instagram likes. Uh, of course, uh, the problem is, again, I say we're so accessible. Maybe for you this year, it was just overspending. They reckon that in UK at the moment that most young couples who get married spend 10% more than they earn. They just, you need to work the miles out of that. 10%, they spend 10% more than they earn. Um, that's marriage guidelines tells us that. So overspending, always living above your means and maybe it's overcommitted. Or maybe it's overeating. Maybe it's overcommitted. You just can't say no. Problem is you're late for everything. You're constantly letting people down. Or maybe overeating, stress, anxiety, difficulty. You turn to food. That's what happens. Um, maybe, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's overreacting. All the over places where everybody's tiptoeing around you because you're so stressed. You're overreacting all the time. And maybe you're just overwhelmed, too much pressure. Life is so fast, so much stress, so much lack of time. And here you just get over-revved. <laughs> and when you get over-revved, you're just running way too fast and the batteries start to get low and all the signs and creaks start to come. Or, and then what happens is this, is in the over places, we just start to live in the leftovers. That actually, you just start to live in the leftovers, living in the past. There's no fresh encounter. I began to pray about that over Christmas. It was lovely just to get a little bit of time off. And I began to pray about that because I felt a little bit like this myself. And I felt that I'd run out of margin. You ever feel that? I have a Bible that uh, my family bought me, two Bibles for my 21st birthday. Um, the, my, my brothers and my sister bought me a Thompson Chain Bible, and they bought me a wide margin Bible. I still have both. And the wide margin, just a big Bible with wide margins that you can write in. And, um, and the problem is we live our lives with no margins. It's all, it's all script. Your life from you get up at 7 in the morning or 6 in the morning and you go to bed at 10 or 11 at night, it's just script. And there's no margin, there's no place to write, there's no place to take note, there's no place to relax, there's no place to spend time with God, never mind spend time with your spouse or with your kids. And so as I say, you just get to live in the leftover stage and that's not good because there's no fresh encounter in that. Now it's interesting to notice in my verse the next two words, all right? And the next two words, it says, you've gone round this place long enough, now turn. I love that word. I love that word. Turn for these people was to the land of God's promise. It was uh, instead of the old familiar um, uh, stuff they were calling him, they needed to lift the focus. They needed to see something different. They needed to, to shift to complete. Actually, the word turn in the Old Testament has the connotation of repent. 
So it's talking to repent. It's talking to turn around and go another way. So it was to shift your complete perspective and go a different way. And one of the things about this was that there was always a better place for these people. This is the bit that's sad about the story. There was always, for 40 years, there was always a better place for them. They had just chosen to live in the place of just enough, not the place of more than enough. They'd just chosen to live in the place of just enough. And one of the things that's notorious for mankind is that we always project the future on our present. I say that again. We tend to project the future on our present. And when it comes to kingdom theology, you must not and never not, if that's the right phrase, do that. You must never do that, all right? Some psychologists believe that we live our lives past, future, and present. What do I mean by that? It means that so we project the future on our past. So we say, well, I was abused, and everybody's always abused me in my past. So it's most likely I'll get abused in my future, so that's my present. I live in that. I'm, a, I'm an abused person. I've, I've never really been wanted in my past, so I'm most likely not going to be wanted in my future, so I just live in the present as a so person that's not really wanted or liked. See how we do that? And it's the, the theology of it's all wrong. And, 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 and it's startling, really. And we see it all the time. And I'm sure, Laura, in links, you see this in, in, in pastoring as well. You see it all the time where people actually have decided where to live because of what's went in the past and they've dictated it into their future and they're living in, in it in a present reality. And I'm here to tell you this morning, and you will all know this verse, I'm sure, that God has a plan for you. He has a plan and a purpose for you, a plan to declares the Lord. It's a welfare, not for evil. He's going to give you a future and a hope. And I believe God spoke into my heart over the last couple of nights when I give a bit of space and a bit of time that, that, that there's a future and a hope for this church, for this people, where we're going to go. And, and the whole thing about Deuteronomy, actually, when you read the book of Deuteronomy, where we're in this morning, it's a, it's a whole compilation of stories of the promise of God to all coming to fulfillment. And the key word, there's always a key word in, in every book you read. So like the book of Hebrews, the key word's better. Always look for the word better because the book of better things. The key word in Deuteronomy is the word remember. Comes up all the time. Remember, 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 remember. And as we look back, we need to remember. We're good at remembering the bad, but we're not great at remembering the good things. We, we remember the bad things. We remember the things that hurt us and that that's, that sort of led us aside, but we're not good at actually remembering the good things and the blessings of God in our lives. And so when these people eventually left Horeb after 40 years, when everybody died, when these people eventually left Horeb, it took them, it took them 70 days to get to the land of promise. Now, 40 of that was travel. So they traveled for 40 days and they got there on the 40th day. On the 40th day, Moses died. Moses was taken up the mountain, and he was told he wasn't allowed to go into the land. We haven't time to go into that story this morning. And God buried him by his own hand, the Bible tells us. And then he allowed the people to grieve him for 30 days. We get this in Deuteronomy 1, where God now speaks to Joshua and says, my, my servant Moses is dead. You've grieved him for 30 days. Now it's time to 
cross over. So 40 days, 40 days, when they eventually got it, 40 days brought them into a land of promise. After 40 years of just enough, 40 days got them to the land of more than enough. Now you know where that's going, don't you? If you get it quick, we'll get home earlier. All right? Um, I'm going to throw out a challenge to you this morning. 40 days. Now there's loads of things you can do. There's the Daniel fast, which is a 21-day fast, which has no fine foods and all of that. And you know that Daniel fast, you could do that. There's loads of things you could do. But I would love to call you as a church to do something for 40 days. I, I, I've talked about this recently in the last few months, and people, I'm still getting texts and emails about this, but the devotions that we've been writing are available all the time, and uh, I would love you to do something, three things. Here's what I'd like you to do, all right? I'd love you to set the plan. I'd love you today to go home and think, count it out in your diary, your Google diary, count out 40 days, or if you want to do it from the beginning of the new year, wonderful, but just do it. Just set the plan. And it might mean getting up 15 minutes earlier. might mean getting up half an hour earlier. You need to set the time for that. I suggest you, if you haven't been doing it, give yourself 15, 20 minutes. Set a plan. Get a journal. Start writing some stuff down this year. I was sitting yesterday morning looking through my, the goals that I set on New Year's Day 20, the beginning of this year. And I was able to tick some off. I was able to think, I was able to look at some and go, oh, didn't do that. But there's some I did. And uh, so it's really important. Set a plan, get a journal, write some stuff down. Here's a good one. Share the plan. Find some people. This is why life group is so important. Get two or three people into your life that you know that you can be accountable to this year, that you could challenge even over this next 40 days that you could do a, a, a passage together and, and, and challenge one another about it, challenge each other about what you're getting. Get it into a little WhatsApp group. Come on, get, start using these phones smart. There are supposed to be smartphones. And um, start sharing and, and challenging people. Share the plan. Great to have people with whom you chart out the tough places. Or, um, we know that there's the old familiar people that stall you. Get those out of your life. You say, Phil, have you scripture for that? Of course I have. Of course I have. If people are a nuisance to you, the Bible says, the Bible says, avoid them. That's what it says. If people hold you back, avoid them. Mark them. This is what it says. Mark them and avoid them. All right? So don't allow people to hold you back. There's too many good people out there to cheer you on. Don't let people hold you back. Don't let people pull you back into the past. All right? Avoid such people. And here's, here's the thing, here's the thing. Get some people, my, 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 mom, um, my mom was buried on Christmas Eve 10 years ago and she was one of my balcony people. I, I, there was a little book I got it years ago, I think it's out of print now called Balcony People. It talks about the people who stand in the balcony of your lives and cheer you on. I remember the morning my mom died in hospital, I remember driving home from the hospital in the car and I could feel actually almost the, gripped me in the throat thinking, who's going who's gonna to do what she done for me? Who is going to do that? Who's going to be that person in my life now? Because we need those balcony people, those people who bring us on. And then the third little thing, 
is start the plan, all right? Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off. Don't think, well, I'll do it when I feel like it or I'll do it. Start the plan. Get it going. Stop making excuses. You know, we're great at making excuses. John 20, whenever Jesus was raised from the dead, Mary comes, finds the tomb empty, and this is the question that she says. She says, she said, they, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Here's the thing, there was no they. We're all, we're all great at making excuses. We're good at making excuses why we can't do it. We're good at picking out they and them and the other ones and it's always their fault. Let's take some responsibility in this. Uh, interesting how we find someone to blame. And if we've lost connection with Jesus, you will probably find it where you lost it. I love this little quote of Dr. Conrad. I've used it. You've probably seen me put it before, but I, I love it. He says this. He says, if you are the one who has lost him, here's a word for you. You will find him right where you lost him, at the place of prayer, at the word which you began to trust distrust at the congregation you began to neglect if you've lost him pray right now that you may recover him that's some that's a great quote isn't it i want to say one more thing to you and then we're going to remember the lord i was praying about this last night and i feel that um that probably some of us in the room have allowed footholds and strongholds in their life that need broken. And again, I've taught you in this, so I'm repeating something, but I think it's worth repeat, all right? And it's my diagrams that I did on the board that Warwick so kindly put into place for me. This is a stronghold. Let me explain a stronghold to you, right? A stronghold is built in your thought pattern, which is the very bottom. It's the foundation. See, it's under the floor. Nobody really knows what you're thinking right now. Even your spouse doesn't know what you're thinking. But what happens is your thought patterns, what happens is you build a value system on your thought pattern. So if your thought patterns are wrong, if you're in this room today and you're thinking bad about yourself, you're thinking everybody in this room is better than you, you actually start to value that. You, you start to build on that thought pattern. What happens is then you start to live out of that value system it becomes your lifestyle. You can become to act like you're no good. And you don't, you don't try anything because you don't think you're going to be able to accomplish it. What happens is then the enemy comes and makes out a bondage, puts a roof on it. It becomes a stronghold. It just builds a house in your life. A stronghold is just a house of thoughts. That's all it is. All right? It's a house of thoughts. And if you build it through, you build it through your thought patterns, you value that, your lifestyle becomes that thing, and then when the bondage, you see the red line down the side, the enemy moves into the values and he just feeds it all the time. He just feeds it all the time. You've, you've built a stronghold, he feeds it, and you're locked in. The way to break a stronghold is the next one, all right? The way to break a stronghold, exactly the same thing. You see, if you go back to this one, you would think you would, to break a stronghold, you would think you, sh you, would, you would have to take it back from the roof down. You'd have to break the bondage, change your lifestyle, change your value, change your thought. That's not the way you break a stronghold. If some of you have been caught in a stronghold this year, here's the way you need to break it. You need to break it from the bottom up. You need to just change the way you think. That's how you break a stronghold. Because there's a good stronghold, right? There's good strongholds. And so, and so what you do is you, you have to start thinking differently. Start thinking 
the way God sees you. Start thinking of yourself the way heaven sees you as a kingdom, as a son, as a daughter of God. As you begin to think like that, your values begin to change. Those habits begin to break. Lifestyle actions become different. We, we live better, firmer lifestyles. The Holy Spirit comes and makes that a good stronghold in your life, and He moves into the value system and just feeds it all the time. The enemy just, the enemy just duplicates. That's, that's what he does. He just duplicates what God does. So don't let him. And so all I'm saying to you is we, Johnny, can you come? And we're going to get into communion. Because I know there's a lot of us here this morning. But um, I just, I wanted to say that because I was actually wakened early this morning and this was going through my head. And I thought it's important to say this at the end of the year. Because some of us, maybe in this room, have got caught up in a, and something that you just feel the pangs of a stronghold in your life. You just feel it's got you, and you're going round and round the mountain, and, 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 and you've made so many points about breaking. You've made so many uh, uh, ideas about snapping this and breaking it off your life, but it's just never come to fruition. You need to actually begin to change the way you think. Stop going round the mountain. Turn. Turn. And the idea was, he says, turn and go north. I love that. Go north. And as they went north, as I say, 40 days, 40 days brought them into a land of plenty, brought them into a land that would, they would inherit forever. It was beautiful. And 40 days, just 40 days, that's all I'm asking, can change your life. We're going we're gonna to remember the Lord together. Maybe, I'd love you to close your eyes, bow your head for me you would maybe this morning as you come to break bread the thought would be oh, maybe just maybe I could break this thing maybe just maybe I could get out of this old cycle of just going around the bottom of Horeb because Horeb's horrible <laughs> Horeb is horrible maybe just maybe what Phil's saying, right? That could just change the way I think. I could break this old stronghold over my life and I could walk into freedom. Maybe tonight or this morning, I just need to set a plan. You share that plan with just some faithful friends, life group members. I just need to get that started right away. I'm going to tell you something. 40 days. If you give God 15, 20 minutes of your morning for 40 days, I will guarantee you He will take you out of the land of just enough. And He will bring you in the land of more than enough. And I'm telling you, once you do it, you will never go back. You will never go back. Because the land of just enough is an awful place to be. So as we come to break bread, I'd love you to come with that in your mind. As you break bread with your family and friends today, as you take the little piece of cracker, it's just a little piece of cracker, a little cup of juice, points us to, points us to one who made a way for more than enough. Points us to one who never wants us to live in just enough points us to one who give more than enough give himself 
made himself nothing, made himself of no reputation, became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. So as we come to break bread, I'd love you to think about that. Paul says in Romans 12, he says, when we consider all this, given our bodies as a living sacrifice is the least we could do. So God, I just pray for every home in this, represented in this place right now, for every family, for every person, as we remember you this morning, may we make it our goal as we do this right now to say, no longer going around that mountain, no longer going around Mount Horeb, going to step into the land of more than enough. Let's move. There's two tables at the back. There's two tables at the front. We'll do this. Johnny will finish with us a song, and then Tash will pray for us, and that's us done. And may the Lord bless you this morning. Let's move. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.